Well, a very, very good day to everybody. It's the 2nd of September. And uh, up here near Denia, we had the most um, whew, uh, frightening, would not be the uh, understatement, if I told you that uh, around about 3.30 in the morning, everything was lit up. It was an am amazing storm. Uh, then we had horrific rain and, um, uh, yes, all in all, it was a very unusual occurrence. And the sound of the thunder, normally you get a break in between the uh, rolls of thunder. It just continued and continued and uh, just sounded like a plane that was circling around overhead. Anyway, uh, enough of what's been happening here. Let's go down to Playa San Juan and uh, wish Rob a very good morning. And how are you? How is your weather? And obviously, we've got the technical uh, side already a little bit different uh, because with the um, with the electric in the atmosphere, I think we're bound to have this sort of thing right now. Okay, Rob. So how are you? And uh, what's your weather like? Yeah, hi Vince, hi everybody. Um, I'm fine, thanks Vince, yeah. Um, we didn't have the storm last night, but you could hear the thunder, um, even down here, because obviously it was, um, it was, well, all down the coast, wasn't it? What we're expecting, or what we've been told to expect, is it's nice and sunny at the moment, but at approximately 2 o'clock this afternoon, the heavens are going to open and we're going to have uh, the daytime version of what you had last night. Um, but at least they've warned us about it, and um, we'll just have to wait and see. But at the moment, it is it, it's calm, it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, I mean, the um, Valencia had the fires coming back. Uh, they all were looking forward to it. People had obviously been preparing, and uh, the heavens opened. And unfortunately, they've not been able to get on with their fires. Um, in fact, TV showed you. Uh, horrendous pictures really of um, all these big fires for those that don't realize what the fires are these are sort of um, well they're, they're a little bit backdated at the moment because the huge figurines uh, that uh, eventually get burned it's like a competition for Valencia um, for people that make great statues and things out of old wood um, and other materials as well and it's all about political lampooning and uh, you know taking the mickey out of the uh, current politicians that sort of thing uh, Rob uh, don't know if you saw the pictures on the telly but um, you know it's a shame for these people because they work so hard and obviously it's a big thing for the tourists as well isn't it oh yes I mean these people who make these um, statues I mean a lot of them are sort of like papier mache based around wooden structures aren't they and some of them are really spectacular um, they're works of art and it takes the people who make them it takes them all year now I think if I rem remember correctly you missed out last year didn't you because they're normally sort of February time and I think with the Covid and everything going on I think they cancelled them last year so they, they, they were hoping to have a, a, a big festival um, at the moment and yeah, last night at least the uh, rain washed it all, all the celebrations out, didn't it? Which is a shame, really, because the people uh, were really looking forward to it. It's a really, really massive thing in Valencia. If um, if anybody ever gets a chance to go, I know that you go regularly, don't you, Vince? I've been a couple of times, but um, it is well worth seeing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But not when it not when it's raining like it was yesterday. Oh, it's been awful. 
Um, I mean, realistically, we, we this is a football uh, podcast that we do, but my continual uh, remit really is to try and put football into a context and the context is how people are living at the moment in various different difficult ways and obviously um, Valencia is the community with the fires as that's spelt by the way F-A-L-L-A and then because it's plural S and um, yeah I feel very sorry for all the people that are involved in that um, as I'm sure you feel the same. Rob, um, we're going to start off by talking about this enigmatic guy. He really is something very special. Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, did you see what he did last night? Well, yes, Vince, if that's where you'd like to start, because Cristiano Ronaldo has had uh, one hell of a week, hasn't he? Um, but, yeah, last night um, Portugal were playing um, the Republic of Ireland, and it's a World Cup qualifier game. And against all the odds, Cristiano had a penalty saved in the first half. The young Irish goalkeeper, he's called he's called Gavin. He's got an unusual surname. So I'll just read his surname out. But he's called Gavin Bazuna. Um, it was only a second international. He's 19 years old in the goal for Ireland. And he saved a Cristiano Ronaldo penalty, um, which he'll never forget doing that. And Ireland went up, and until towards the end of the match, um, it was a 90 minute and the 96th minute, I believe, Cristiano Ronaldo got his 110th and 111th international goals um, to win the match for Portugal, but it also makes him the um, top ever record goal scorer in international matches. So apart from winning, uh, putting the two winning goals in right at the end of the match, he broke a record which has been standing for a long time now and is now the top ever um, international goal scorer with 111 goals. So, yeah, that was um, what Cristiano was up to last night. And, of course, as Rob alluded to, uh, he's had a heck of a week. Um, actually going back with a 12.9 million transfer plus 6.9 million add-ons to get his £385,000 a week. Uh, that's him returning to Manchester United and his uh, sort of adopted father <laughs> is obviously quite pleased because I think Alex Ferguson has obviously had a hand in this somewhere. Um, but uh, what do you think in terms of his playing now? 36, he's um, obviously still a... It's quite funny because it, it, football clubs these days are always talking about investment. They're not really looking at the, the man right this very minute. Having said that, I see that there are various ideas uh, to do with him becoming a mentor for other people in the club, which I think is a cracking idea, actually. Um, much as it pains me to compliment Manchester United too deeply, um, I think... Um, Solskjaer has, has got a great idea, if it is his idea, which is to have a consummate pro professional, because he is a consummate professional, uh, who can pass on his skills to young lads um, coming through the ranks. And I think that uh, this is where I think Cristiano will obviously play well for the moment, but he'll also have that influence on these young players coming through, won't he? Oh, yes, uh, indeed, Vince. I mean... 
Um, when we spoke about Cristiano last week and he was sick of the press with all the rumours and things like that, he must have known already um, by that stage that he was going to go to Man United. It was just like they tried to keep it under the hat, didn't they, for a few days. Um, but now he is back at Manchester United. It's not where he first started his career. He first started his career at Porto, but uh, Sir Alex Ferguson brought him to Man United when he was 18. And he's come back after playing his career. Um, he went on to Real Madrid, as we know. A tremendous success there. Um, went on to Juventus. He's also been very successful there. He's been very successful with the Portuguese national team. And now, at the age of 36 years old, he's gone back to gone back to Man United, which is where it all first started for him, if you like, where the big time first started for him. Um, so Alex Ferguson is really, really pleased. In fact, uh, Cristiano has paid homage to him uh, in a couple of interviews already. And he would like to finish his career, more or less where it started, and, as you say, be actors, apart from a player, um, with Cavani, who's also uh, a veteran player, they would like to act as mentors to the youngsters coming through, which... Um, I think it's, it's come a nice full circle, hasn't it? And uh, it'll be very interesting to be able to talk about Cristiano back in the Premier League, won't it? Well, yeah, I, I mean, the, the thing that I like about this idea of mentoring is uh, it's rather like when I first started playing rugby again. You know, I'd learned at school, then I'd played football till I was 21, and then I just get this a little message came from the old boys. Would you like to play for the old boys? So I thought, yeah, this sounds like a good idea. And our rugby club had exactly that as their training uh, method. They used to have the older guys um, would look after the younger guys. And I thought, well, you know, um, this is a good way forward because he, he has been more than just a great player. Um, because really, he he doesn't really seem to have gone very far from the straight and narrow throughout his career. Although, you know, obviously people will always be trying to sort of have a go at him for this, that and the other. Uh, he is somebody who, um, he's got an attitude, of course he has. He, you know, this sets the winners apart from, uh, the great winners apart from other people. He's got this sort of charisma and... Uh, but, I mean, he's worked hard at his physical attributes, and I think, quite honestly, um, he's just a great player. When you look at the difference between, say, him and Messi, I will say that Cristiano's te tested himself more, hasn't he? Because he's been, obviously, in La Liga, in uh, the Premier League, and also uh, over in um, Italy. So, for my way of thinking it, I think he has actually tested himself more than Messi. What do you think about that comment? Well, yes, um, Cristiano has played in, in various top teams, hasn't he? he? He played in Man United, then he went to Real Madrid, extremely successful at Real Madrid. Um, then he went on to Juventus, uh, one of the top Italian teams, and also had success there. And now he's back where he started again. Um, yeah, I, I think he's had um, a, a varied career, but he's triumphed wherever he's gone. Whereas Messi, until um, a few days ago, Messi had only ever stepped on the uh, pitch as a Barcelona player. And he came on, um, I think it was the 60th minute, It was he got Neymar got substituted and uh, Messi came on for the Paris Saint-Germain match against Ram, um, which they won. 
and that was um, the biggest ever televised um, League One event in the, in the history of French football. It was the biggest ever televised event. Um, it went worldwide. But Messi has basically been a one-club man, and we'll just have to see how he uh, how he fits in um, at PSG. But at the moment, he is extremely popular um, with fan, fans worldwide just because he's Messi. Because, again, Messi um, is a brilliant player. Um, but between the two of them, it's, it's, it's difficult to uh, decide, isn't it? But I personally, as things stand, um, the rival between Ronaldo and, and Messi, they've got a lot of mutual respect for each other. But um, it is a little competition between them. I would put Cristiano ahead at the moment. Um, but we'll just have to see what Messi does at Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah, I, I think uh, the, the big thing with both the, these guys, I have to say, Messi, of course, gets involved in sort of rumours and speculation and paper gossip because it's almost like these journalists do go out the way to make themselves uh, find something which is horrible about um, uh, the people who are doing well you know I mean it's um, you don't know whether it's jealousy or what it is but really um, both of these I think have, uh, have been as good as any of the footballers and later in today's podcast, I've got to bring two to the attention of um, th that comment. So I'll come back to that a little later. And we'll go straight to um, uh, something that you and I uh, were talking about um, off air, uh, which is to do with the Irish national team. And this is to do with equality in pay. So if you can give us the detail on, in that one for us, Rob, please. Right, well, this um, is to do with the Irish, um, the FAI, which is the Football Association, Football Association of Ireland. Now, they decided um, two or three days ago now, after having discussions with uh, all sets of players involved, in, including the captains, that the men's national team and the women's national team will actually be paid the same for playing international matches. Now, this is quite a radical step forward um, for the F FAI because it was only a few years ago um, that the women who played for Ireland's international team didn't get paid anything at all. Now, most of them would do it um, for nothing because it's an honour to play for their country. However they realised it was sort of unfair. I mean, back, back in 2017, the women players were threatening to go on strike because they were having to change in public toilets on the way to matches. Um, they didn't even get a changing room when they arrived to play the, the matches away. So they were sort of stopping off at uh, motorway service stations and getting changed into their kit in the, uh, in the public toilets and things. Now... They are going to be treated as equal to the men. I say it's not—it's not particularly about money. It's, it's about equality. Now, but what always happens in these kind of situations is they're not going to the, all of a sudden start paying the women lots of money. What they've done is they've, they've reduced the male players' um, money, and they're going to bring the women up to the same level of the male players with their now reduced amount of money um, but the male players 
are all quite happy about it. They uh, they, they think it's the way forward. Um, again, it's Ireland, so it, it'll be interesting to see what happens in other countries which have sort of like um, a bigger football, if you like, bigger football history because um, Ireland sometimes qualify, sometimes don't. But um, it still is... It's only their second sport, I think, isn't it? Uh, after after Gaelic football, but no, it's, it's quite it's quite an interesting development that um, it, it, it's between the players themselves, both the men and the women players, um, and the Irish FA have all decided that um, it's time that uh, women were brought into equal ranks, if you like. Well, I think uh, you know this is a it's a way forward, Rob. You know, it's lovely. It's lovely. Obviously, I'm trying to. They are quite. Yeah, considering that Ireland, in a lot of ways, especially 30 years ago when I, I used to know Ireland quite well, um, was sort of stuck in the past. They do come out with some quite um, progressive ideas, don't they? And uh, who am I to disagree with it? If that's what they want to do, um, like I say, they don't get paid all that much for international matches. I think it's 50 quid for a win, or 50 euros for a win, um, 20 euros for a draw. And I think it's four, four euros nine for uh, just sort of like turning from playing on the pitch. However, it's the it's the parity between the men and the women's game, which is the interesting point in this, isn't it? Well, look, um, all, all joking aside, the the difficulty for me uh, was I was talking this through with my wife Anne and basically you can't really find any real reason why men should be paid more than women you just can't really find a reason unless for example you put the two matches on and find that you know uh, a lot of people will come and pay much better entrance fees for men as opposed to women but then you look at what they're actually doing at an international. They're representing the country. It shouldn't be just about the money. It should be about the prestige, and it should be about the player's progression from being just an ordinary good player to being a member of the, an elite team which represents country. So for my money, I don't think there's ever been a logical explanation apart from what I outlined via ticket money um, you know, you, you know, if you've got a, a camera, for example, and you're putting it on TV, you're not paying any more because it's a women's team or, or a men's team. Uh, you, you've still got some group of people with a camera or cameras, you know. So I, I really think it's probably um, long overdue this. And, um, you know, for any male chauvinists listening in, um, as far as I'm concerned, yes, uh, the, the the ladies' game will never be the same as the men's game, and you won't get the um, maybe the tackling and the sort of things that maybe you you come to expect in a male game. But having said that, I've watched a couple of the ladies' game. I was watching last night, for example, and uh, Levante ladies was were playing against um, a French team, and and the tackles were flying in, and you know the commitments there. So. Um, yeah, I think, uh, for me, I think it's the right step, and I'm, I'm pleased it's happened. Rob, um, a few minutes ago, we were talking about two footballers who uh, have been exemplary. Now, I picked up two things in the newspapers this week. I don't know if you've found them. Um, the first one is to do with Manchester City's Benjamin Mendy. 
I've got to preface what I'm saying by the fact that this is now going through the courts. So with both of these two individuals that we're going to discuss, they are not guilty as uh, charged at the moment. It's in the papers, so it's in the public interest to be able to discuss it. Um, but remembering that ne neither of these two people are known to us, we're discussing names of people who get fabulous money for playing football. And uh, Mendy plays for Manchester City, and apparently th there's about four rape charges that uh, have been um, suggested against his name. Now, first of all, have you seen this in the press? Oh, I've seen this in the press, Vince. Um, it's all over the place. It's, it's also um, all over the Spanish press. So, uh, yeah, th this story will have gone worldwide. And as you say, it concerns Manchester City defender Benjamin Mendy. Um, he's 27 years old and he's been accused of four counts of rape and one count of uh, sexual assault at his home in Cheshire. And he's actually been remanded in custody at... Uh, the Majesty's Prison Outcourt, which is in Liverpool, and he's been de denied bail. Um, he was denied bail last Friday. So, and that sounds serious because if you're denied bail, normally it tends to give more of the impression that somebody's guilty. Um, so, I mean, it's sad to think that we've got to discuss this after just talking about two really, really good players who um, tended not to get too involved in some of the tackier sides of football. Um, the, 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 we won't go too far with the Mendy story because, quite frankly, uh, with that being still to go through uh, into the, the, uh, the big part of the legal procedures, um, you know, it, it's something that we shouldn't pre prejudice anybody's thoughts on. So uh, if we could just highlight the fact that um, that's as far as it's gone. Now, the, the second one is a bit different because this is a Manchester United um, guy who's played in the first three games of the new season, and it's Aaron Wan-Bissaka. And um, the story is something to do with... Um, he's guilty of driving while disqualified and having no license or insurance. Now, um, first of all, did you see this one as well? Yes, Vince, unfortunately, this one has also been reported very widely um, in the English-speaking um, press and websites, but also it is being mentioned in the um, Spanish press and websites. So therefore, we can imagine it's probably mentioned throughout the world. And yes, you're right. Uh, Aaron Wampasaka, um, 23-year-old 23 right-back uh, from Manchester United, he was disqualified last year from driving for a year for speeding. And so therefore, he, he was driving while disqualified. And believe it or not, he's 23 years old. He was driving a Lamborghini. Okay, he wasn't he wasn't driving a a Ford Cortina or anything like that. He was driving a Lamborghini, um, and he got caught driving without uh, a license. Therefore, driving without insurance, he was given unconditional bail um, because it's not quite as serious as um, the other charge we mentioned about Mendy. But nonetheless, um, 
it's not good. He's not a good role model, is he? Really for uh, for the youngsters. And I think he is guilty on this. I think he's going to plead guilty because uh, there isn't really any case. They they clocked him um, driving a car without any with his license disqualified, so therefore he had no insurance and all the rest of it. Um, I think he's going to admit to this. He's going to plead guilty. I don't know what they'll actually do to him. He won't he won't serve time in prison. I don't think. But uh, it's not a good example um, to set to the youngsters, is it? Well, I think they've got, they've got to make an example of him because, quite frankly, um, you, you know, there's carnage on the roads. Um, you know, there, there, are, there are all sorts of uh, implications uh, regarding people pinching cars, driving cars fast, etc., etc., etc. And so there you've got somebody who's had the money um, and, you know, quite... Uh, fairly if he if he wants to spend his money on a car um and obviously a good car then i think most people would do that now you know um put to one side the the emotional side of feeling how stupid the wages have got and then just look at what what would you normally do with somebody who if they had a ford um capri or something or ford uh, cortina or whatever the equivalent would be in today's cars uh, you know maybe uh, a sierra or something like that um if they would do caught doing what this guy's done what what recriminations come to anybody these days for driving a car being caught and then when you uh, decide, right, I'm not going to stick to my punishment. I'm now going to take my car on the road again. I haven't got a license. I haven't got insurance. And they don't play for Manchester United or anybody else. Um, they should go to jail. How are you going to stop these things? If that fella uh, or anybody had um, hit a, uh, anybody in the road and uh, knocked them down and killed them, um, you know, p p people would be all saying that the... The courts aren't strong enough, this, that and the other. It's about time the courts showed leadership in things like this. Um, you know, the, we're all quick enough to pick up fines if we go too fast. Um, if we park our cars in the wrong place. If, we, if we're caught without insurance um, and a driving licence. Uh, what would normal people be uh, treated like? So this is ridiculous that this guy in a, such a, an exalted position, I mean, he, he could afford taxi fares. He doesn't need to even be in a car, does he? He, 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 could, he could afford a private chauffeur in a uniform, couldn't he? Um, but obviously he, he, he possibly did use that kind of system as well, but he decided that he was going to go out driving himself. He's a high-profile high figure. Um, driving a Lamborghini, he's not going to be difficult to spot, is he? Um, and he has actually entered a guilty plea. Um, he's waiting for sentencing. I've got no idea, Vince, what the uh, sentencing around these kind of offences are. But um, I would imagine, to, to be fair on, on him, I think he will be judged in exactly the same way as any other member of the population would be judged if they had committed the same offence. They, they can't really make um, a harsher punishment because he's a footballer. OK, well, we'll put but, that to... Uh, we'll, 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 we, he's awaiting sentencing, so um, there's no date actually being given, but when he is sentenced, we'll find out uh, the punishment. I would imagine a, a 
a mass a longer driving ban and a very hefty fine. I don't think it warrants a, a prison sentence, but I, I'm not an expert, Vince. I'm not a lawyer, so uh, I really don't know. But uh, it'll de it'll definitely be a long driving ban. It'll okay. Probably have to make some sort of um, do some community work as well, which is what they generally try to uh, make people do, especially high-profile people. Okay, you're you're um, on a good social, and you've just got a new role model coach stroke mentor coming into the first team okay and you've got this kid who's just done totally and utterly the opposite to what you would want him to do what would you do as a manager you've got a big squad now so come on what would you do well i'd sideline him um i think that is probably where the biggest recrimination will come for wambasaka because if they if they do give him a big fine and a long driving ban. You just pay. He'll have no problem paying the fine. No. Um, but he will. I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is absolutely furious about this. They've tried to interview him about it, and he's sort of uh, tried to um, keep the press away. But knowing the kind of man that Ole is, he's a very straight man, isn't he? He's, he's a, a very upstanding kind of figure. He will be absolutely furious about this, and uh, as will all of the other people involved in the Manchester Manchester United training setup. Wambasaka played the first three matches of the season. We'll have to see when he's back on the pitch again, but I think it will will be the club that sanctions him more than the actual law. Okay, now I'm keeping an eye on the clock, so I'm moving to Scotland next, who are set to introduce COVID passports for people wanting to go into football matches. Uh, COVID, uh, whether or not uh, you will agree with this, uh, is allegedly standing for Certificate of Vaccination Identity. Um, whether or not that's true, it's something that uh, is bandied about and certainly the conspiracy theorists would subscribe to that point of view. Um, now, I don't, you see, I don't really understand how you've got so many disparities between some places where, you know, you've got people can't go into football, some places where people can go in as long as they uh, were a mask, uh, as long as they put it on the left ear before the right ear and um, uh, recite Humpty Dumpty or something like that uh, uh, while they're at the game. I mean, you know, the rules just become absolutely nonsensical at the moment and, and it's very incomprehensible. So, um, Scotland, why would they want to do that, do you think? Well, it's not just football, Vince. No, no, I, uh, I, I know that. But, but I mean, the thing is, it is football, so that's why I, I've added it in. I know it's if you go to the theatre and, you know, those sorts of things. But, I mean... Oh, yeah, or, or a music festival or any large gathering. Um, and I think this was, this was only decided, I think, finally yesterday, wasn't it? I think the... Yeah. Um, the statement by um, Jimmy Cranky was only made yesterday, I think. Yeah. And what they're going to do is that anybody who attends um, a large event, now they do have a running scale, whether it's outside or inside, and um, one thing or another, but um, I think at the end of this month, they, they've, got, they've got a few weeks to get it in place, 
anybody who goes to any major event, and, and we'll use football as our example because obviously it is a major sporting event, um, the people who go in to watch these events are going to need some kind of proof. They're going to need um, a COVID passport, if you like. Um, and I think it's, it's definitely the first country in the UK to do this. I'm not sure if it's the first country in the world, but that is what the Scottish government has decided because their infection rates, um, according to them, are extremely high and extremely high amongst the younger part of the population, um, which are generally the people who go to nightclubs. I mean, nightclubs is one of the other big things. Um, and it is generally younger people who go, isn't it, to, to nightclubs? Oh, I don't but, know. My, uh, Michael Gove was seen at one, wasn't he, during the week? Oh, yeah, Michael Gove. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, well, he, he's, he's, he's actually Scottish, isn't he, Michael Gove? Yeah. Um, he's got and... go Govid. He needs a Govid passport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so he, he, he was seen at some sort of disco, wasn't he? Mm. And, uh, but, well, without just saying allegedly he looked like he was completely off his face didn't he but uh, he does have a history of uh, of those kind of things i mean when he was when he was younger um goes about the same age as me when he when he was younger he used to go to all these raves and things like that um but he but he looked he looked like he he might have been possibly on something i don't know but uh he's raving mad he is raving absolutely, man. He's absolutely raving man, Vince. He is, yes. <laughs> OK, we move on to um, Barcelona stars now, and um, they are having their pay cut to make sure that Aguero can play for them. Now, um, that really is uh, quite indicative of the fact that uh, people are now beginning to realise uh, footballers have been getting stupid money. I mean, it's absolutely ludicrous to nearly put a club like Barcelona out of business just because you're overpaying Messi. And um, and now, of course, these other stars, if they don't cut the pay, then they don't keep within the La Liga rules and Aguero can't play. And Sergio Aguero, Aguero will do a great job for Barcelona once he starts playing for them. Incidentally, Cristiano is getting the number seven shirt at Manchester United, which has got other implications to um, the fans who have bought the Cavani shirt, which has got number seven on. So apparently Manchester United are going to refund um, the fans' money on those shirts. Well, we'll wait and see on that one. I'll also just quickly ask you whether you saw Robbie Savage, who attended Macclesfield versus Congleton, and a big fight uh, erupted on the terraces, and he sort of was in the middle of it trying to make, keep the peace. So, um, yeah, there's all sorts of strange things happening. Yes, I, I didn't say that about Robbie Savage actually, but I know that he is—he's uh, one of the patrons of Macclesfield because he, he lives very close by. And I think his son, as far as I'm aware, I think he, I think his son plays for the uh, youth teams and that. I know he's a very big supporter of his of his local grassroots football club. Um, I didn't realise that there was. Um, a scuffle going on in the terraces and that uh, Robbie Savage was in the middle of it. I would imagine he would have, will have been trying to break it up because uh, he's too high-profile a figure and too mature a man now, isn't he, really, to get involved. But um, I wouldn't want to mess about with Robbie Savage, would you? 
I don't know. Uh, wasn't he with Screaming Lord Such in the early days? Oh, maybe you wouldn't get that. Screaming Lord Such uh, was a high-profile rock and roll singer, and he, his backing group was called the Savages. Sorry. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'll move on. And um, now, interestingly, the uh, English Football League Cup is now being played. Um, and there's lots going on, like the internationals and, you know, all the sort of Champions League stuff, stuff will come back in soon. But the one thing that I did pick up was that um, Fleetwood beat Leicester under-21s 4-1 and Rochdale beat Liverpool under-21s 4-0. And the one thing that I do totally agree with is to try and level the playing field, but also to give the experience to the younger, the younger players in the Premiership sides. I think it's a good idea to let the under-21s uh, play and represent the full club um, in these championships. How do you feel about that? Well, this is uh, a point of discussion, isn't it, Vince? Um, I personally think it's a good idea. Um, because the EFL Cup, the um, Caribou Cup, as they call it, the English Football League Cup, um, he's, he does have a trophy and all the teams compete, but it is not as prestigious as the FA Cup, is it? And I think it is a good idea for some of the Premier League teams to field a younger squad so that they do play competitive matches because they... Even if the team they're playing are two divisions down, they'll be playing professional footballers and professional bread and butter footballers, if you like. They're footballers who actually go out there to earn a wage rather than go out there to pirouettes and uh, things like that. So I think it's good experience for the youngsters. But when it goes wrong, which it did for Liverpool a couple of seasons ago, didn't it, against uh, Shrewsbury it was, yep. um, they drew... And then had to play the replay, and obviously Liverpool won the replay. But Klopp came in for a lot of criti uh, criticism about that, because he definitely put out uh, an under-21 squad, and the Shrewsbury um, fans and the Shrewsbury team thought that it was an insult that he wouldn't put out his best team against them. So the, the managers basically can't win one way or another. No. No, they can't. But from from the progression and the development of young players, I think it's a must. And for me, uh, much as I don't want Liverpool to lose, I think uh, the players probably would have learned quite a bit from uh, def the defeat at the hands of Rochdale. So, you know, I think on that score alone, I'm in favour of it. Sorry I'm rushing you just a little bit because I'm um, looking at the clock and yeah. um, we also... We've got a lot to, to get through. Well, we, we have and we're going to do it, but uh, we look next at your La Liga roundup, and I'm going to preface this by asking you, what did you spot uh, regarding a punch-up in the tunnel between Atletico uh, de Madrid and Villarreal? Can you tell me anything about that one? And if not, just go straight to the La Liga roundup for me. Well, there was bad feeling towards the end of the match, Vince, and uh, what actually happened in the tunnel is difficult to say, but um, I don't think we're allowed to use this word anymore, but I will put it down as handbags. Now, listen, you can use handbags. As far as I'm concerned, 
too much of this woke stuff is just spoiling everyday discussion. Handbags is exactly what it is. If you want to be woke about it, then uh, write to the Prime Minister or somebody, because we couldn't really care less. Um, well, not... I, I don't think the Prime Minister of the UK at the moment could care less about that either. Well, I mean, he's, he, he's, uses, he's... he uses expressions far stronger than handbags. Yes, and he, he's the biggest uh, one that uses handbags anyway. Um, <laughs> OK, uh, so look, um, La Liga. It looks interesting again, um, with, of course, the fact that they've got to keep one eye on the finances. So what's been happening, Rob? Right, well, in La Liga, they've played three matches each so far. Um, at the top, we've got Real Madrid on seven points, um, two wins and a draw. Sevilla, also on two wins and a draw. Valencia and Barcelona and Atletico Madrid, all on two wins with a draw. Plus... Quite surprisingly, possibly, because they're recently um, promoted. We've got Mallorca in sixth position, also on two wins and a draw. Um, now that Griezmann has gone to um, Atletico Madrid again, that is going to give them a real boost. Um, but down at the bottom end, we've got Alaves at the bottom position. They've lost their first three. Katafi which we mentioned sometimes again it's a, another team from Madrid they've lost their uh, first three um, then it it goes to t losing two and a draw but what Elche the local team to where I am at least um, they look like the draw specialists again they're in 15th position they've lost one and they've got two draws so they've got two points on the board which is the same as Leeds have got uh, in the Premier League um, so let's see if Elche can get away with it again yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, this lad who's got the Messi uh, shirt now in uh, Barcelona, how good is he from what you've seen and from what you've read? Yes. Well, um, he's called Ansu Fati, and we did mention him um, in one of our podcasts, either prior to COVID or or just while football was still going. I think because. He, um, as far as I remember, he became the youngest player ever to play for Barcelona, or score for Barcelona, when he was about 17. Now he is 19, and he has been given Messi's number 10 shirt. Um, they, they didn't retire Messi's shirt, if you like. They've given it to um, Ansu Fati. He is... Um, he wasn't born in Barcelona. In fact, he, he comes from... Um, a family of these refugees. Um, his father arrived underneath the, uh, holding on to the axle of a, an HGV or something like that many years ago, and they started off down in the south of Spain. But Ansu Fati um, has gone through the Barcelona youth system um, to give him Messi's number ten shirt. He's not really putting extra pressure on him, but it it it, sh it demonstrates that they expect him to be the next homegrown talent they, they, they're going to nurture him I think he's very good as he is at the moment but um, he's homegrown talent as Messi was and I, I think Barcelona are going to uh, try and keep him and try and bring him on to be as best that he possibly can and he is good so he's one to watch out for in the future Ansu Fati, number 10 for Barcelona So how do you spell his name? Right, he's actually got his, his, his first name is actually more complicated uh, because it's like an African kind of name. B 
that the name he plays under is Ansu, which is A N S U, and then Fatty, which is surname F A T I. And you'll be able to spot him playing for Barcelona because he's going to have a big number of 10 on his back. Um, and he is he's very, very fast. He's a very promising player. Um, he's one of these players that we often say when they first come out, which when, when Messi was young, for example, he's one to keep an eye on, Vince. He's definitely one to keep an eye on. OK, funny enough, when you... Um, I thought you were being a little bit politically incorrect. I thought you said his name was I'm Too Fatty. <laughs> oh, he's, he's, not, he's not got, he's not no, got he scrap on him. No, he doesn't. He sounds brilliant. No, no, he's, 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 a, he's, a, he's a fit young black lad. OK, he's, good luck to him then, eh? Oh, yeah, yeah, good luck to him, I think. And he's, all, he's also extremely skillful. Um, they, 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 that's why they've given him the number 10 shirt, Vince, is because... He is their latest promise. If well, you like. th- th- these things continue, don't they? It's a yep. continuous um, cycle. And Ansu Fati now, I think he's either, I think he's turned 19 now, but he's still a teenager. Okay. And, uh, well, look, yeah. I'm going to. I'm sorry about this, Rob. I've, I've got stacks to carry on with. Yeah, yeah um, okay, yeah, yeah, you carry on. With yeah, we, 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 we've got about yeah. too fatty under the day. Yeah, we've got um, the um, championship now, which we are spending a little bit more time looking at each week. Uh, thanks very much indeed to your friend Ramon, who will visit us from time to time on the podcast um, oh definitely when he, when he gets chance yeah yes. uh, so you know just keep him in the picture let him know that I am now taking far more interest and it's down to his interest as we see that Fulham won 3-0 against Stoke uh, who were in fifth place Fulham are the leaders at the moment um, in second place West Brom they were away at Peterborough they won 1-0 and then Queen's Park beat um, Coventry 2-0 so they're the top three Huddersfield that's an interesting one for you another Yorkshire side they beat Reading 4-0 uh, to go into fourth place I've mentioned Stoke is in fifth and then Bournemouth only uh, drew 0-0 at another Yorkshire situation uh, that was at Hull and they're in sixth place um, now that does clearly show that it's quite a job, isn't it, to get out of the championship? Um, you know, you've really got to scrap uh, to get that. Um, I, I mean, really, whether your finances are in order or not, it's going to be difficult for whoever. Um, it's looking at the moment Fulham and um, West Brom and Queens Park Rangers. If they did stay as, as that threesome, uh, three very good clubs to come back into the Premier League, aren't they? Well, um, what happens in the Championship, Vince, is only the first two clubs that get automatically promoted. Um, And then between the next four, between the club that comes third and the club that comes sixth, they have a set of playoffs. Now, it's early days yet, but uh, Fulham and um, West Brom, recently relegated from the Premier League, um, are both at the top. They've played five matches. Both of them have won four and drawn one. Um, but then QPR in third place, they, that's not an automatic promotion position. And obviously, as we mentioned before, it, this is early days. And things can change completely over the space of two or three matches. Because if a team has a bad run and loses two, three, four matches, 
they can plummet right down the table. The other way around, if a team down towards the middle, the ones right at the bottom um, having struggles all the time, but a mid-table team, if they put a run of decent wins together, um, can get into a playoff position within the space of two or three weeks. So, yeah, it, it is interesting that we're keeping our, our eye on it this season, isn't it? Yeah, um, makes it more interesting yeah, but, for us. Yeah, interesting to see how it works out. Yeah. OK, and uh, once again, uh, thanks to Ramon, a young Spanish lad who's going to join us from time to time on the podcast. Now, we've only got uh, 12 minutes left to get through comments on the Premier League. And we haven't really even looked at the internationals. But then again, I don't know about you, it's just too much. We've got to sort of try and concentrate on what we know. So, uh, Man City 5-0 against Arsenal. I thought it would be 3-1, as did you. So, we both knew that Arsenal were likely to be given a bit of a, uh, a wake-up again. And, uh, you know, Arteta has been under some very severe criticism. But they've had a very, very difficult start to the season. And um, I saw them playing a couple of their games, and I don't think they're a dreadful team. I just think they've had a very tough start, uh, probably not ready for it. And uh, do you see Arteta as the next in line to go, or do you think this is just going to uh, be the horrible start and then they'll click on? Well, this is the worst start to a season that uh, Arsenal have had, um, I think, since 1954. I heard the other day. Um, they've lost the first three matches, and they haven't scored a goal. So, although they've had difficult matches, they haven't even got one in the back of the net yet. Um, I don't think Arteta will be um, on his way just yet, but if he doesn't pull something off within the next couple of matches, um, I can quite easily see him going. And as you'll have heard, uh, we've got Stan Collymore, who was a good player, but I don't think has got much track record as a manager. Um, vocally saying that he wants to take on the Arsenal job because he could do a better job. Um, Arsenal is in disarray at the moment, which is unfortunate, really, because I was hoping that Mikel Arteta's um, plans for his team, I was hoping that they would work, but for the time being, it's a lot of 5-0 by City. Having said that, we're talking about Man City, but nonetheless, a 5-0 is quite an embarrassing result. OK, look, um, when all said and done, Stan Cullimore, would you have him as a manager when he was found uh, having sex in a car park? Um, you know, you really don't want that sort of uh, your reputation to come in and then represent your club. So as far as I'm concerned... I don't really see any relevance to Stan Cullimore comments or even Sol Campbell, who uh, I thought was a great player, loved him as a player, um, and I think Arsenal could get hold of him and use his uh, style of management to start building uh, him as a manager and basically uh, look at his defensive record and his quality and capabilities of coaching maybe in that part of the game. But there we are. We go to uh, another couple of games that uh, took the eye. Brighton, I thought they would beat um, Everton. You thought the same. Everton went there and they won 2-0. But then again, they had a little fracas. It was like a school playground fracas. Who's taking the penalty? Um, you know, uh, I think that was a little bit silly. Give us your thoughts on that game. 
Well, yes, the penalty incident really was uh, what stood out in that match, wasn't it? Apart from the fact that Rafa Benitez has he's settled in straight away, hasn't he, Everton? Certainly um, has. He's 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 a well experienced professional manager now, but uh, there haven't been any. They've had a good start, haven't they? But um, when it came to the penalty, it was Richarlison, wasn't it, who thought he should he should be taking the penalty. Now, he's not the designated penalty taker. And Aspilicueta, the captain, Spanish captain, he had to stand in um, and tell Richarlison that Calvert-Lewin is the designated penalty taker. But for a, a few seconds, they were sort of like pull it, trying to pull the ball off each other, weren't they? Which I thought was a very childish display. I think Rafa, uh, because Rafa is quite... Um, He's quite a strong disciplinarian, isn't he? But well, he's a good referee. He's a good referee, exactly, Vince. <laughs> I think when he got them off the pitch into his office, or in the, he probably won't have done it in the changing room, but when he got them into his office, he will have said, look, we don't want any more displays like that on the pitch. Um, Calvert-Lewin is the designated penalty taker. You're the second designated penalty taker. If for some reason he can't do it, but no, don't go showing yourselves up by trying to pull the ball off each well, other on the pitch. I saw, I saw written that it was because he's because he's a Brazilian, and Brazilians love football so much. I mean, can you believe people will write such rubbish? Uh, Rob, I'm going to go to your team next. Um, you thought they'd beat Burnley. I thought Burnley would beat Leeds. What I did see in the one-all draw was the battle of Turf Moor. I mean, when I watched it, I thought to myself, well, I've got to quickly make sure that Rob is watching this game. Uh, so I sent you the message. How on yeah. earth they didn't get people sent off or medical people leaving the field with chunks of people's legs is just beyond me. Um, I got the impression it justified the way that Klopp had com commented about Burnley wrestling rather than playing football. I think Klopp was misunderstood, and I think he was right. I think there are some parts of Burnley's game which really aren't very, very sportsmanlike. Comments on that one? Well, it was. It was uh, a Roses derby, wasn't it? Or a, a battle of the Roses, if you like. Um, Burnley, they are... Um, I, I was listening to um, a comment the other day for... But uh, Burnley, basically, um, are like a, a traditional old-fashioned football team. Um, Sean Dyche has got them all playing well, but they go in hard. They're the, they're the kind of team that when you look back at games in the 1970s when people, when the, all the defenders were trying to chop the um, opposing uh, attackers and things like that, playing in a mud bath, that is the kind of team that Burnley is. Rugby league and team. It's a rugby league team. It shouldn't be in the football league. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, they 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 do go in hard, Vince. They let's do. put it that way. They do. Um, I like Dyche, but, actually. <laughs> oh, I, I, I do. I think, um, yeah, I, I, and he's got he's got to do what he what he can do with the players he's got in the situation where he is I mean he, he's been there I think for five seasons hasn't he at Burnley he does a great job for the club oh he's kept he's kept him in hasn't he yeah but they do tend to play physical football rather than sort of um, ballerina style football 
the, the game ended up 1-1, which I think was a fair result, to be honest, because um, Leeds can also scrap. I mean, Leeds, it, it was only two um, seasons ago they were down in the Championship. Yep. So they, they, although they do try and play some fancy football, they're they're still their core team is still accustomed to playing these sort of like uh, Sunday league game uh, Rob, Sunday league games yes <laughs> I've, I've got to keep an eye on the clock and move to Anfield where of course um, the current champions of the Champions League champions of Europe Chelsea were the visitors I thought Liverpool really played very very well but I thought Chelsea were particularly well drilled. I thought the first goal, uh, the Chelsea goal, for me, I thought um, Liverpool's goalkeeper was off his line, and if he'd have stayed on his line, he would have got that one. Uh, but then again, when it came to the, uh, the penalty um, and the sending off, personally, I felt, yes, it was a penalty because it, it did hit his hand, but I don't think they should have sent the guy off. I really didn't like that. Uh, thereafter, it was just basically great attacking from Liverpool, but they still need somebody who can put the ball in the back of the net when the going gets tough. Chelsea were well drilled, well worthy of the point, but they would have felt that that was almost a victory. Um, we've only got a couple of minutes left. Uh, give me your thoughts on that game. Right, Vince. Well, the sending off the handball decision against uh, Rhys James, the referee had no choice but to send him off um, because there's something called the uh, IFAB, which is the International Football Association Board, and they put down the rules, the laws of the game, and Law 12 states, where a player denies the opposing team a goal or an obvious goal-scoring opportunity by a handball offence, the player is sent off wherever the offence occurs. So the referee was only playing by the laws of the game by sending Rhys James off. Um, also, the scuffle afterwards where um, Rudiger got a yellow card for scuffing up the penalty spot. Um, the chairman, Rudiger. That, I mean, that's that's schoolboy stuff, isn't it? Roughing up the penalty spot. <laughs> and also, uh, the goalkeeper, Mendy. No relation to Mendy no. from Man City, we mentioned earlier on. He also got a yellow card. And they're both up for disciplinaries. Um, in, in in front of uh, the beaky flag, in front of Tuchel. For sort of like unprofessional behaviour. But... Um, yeah, one all draw at the end of the day. Um, I, I, I think Chelsea is still looking really good. Oof, they look terrific. Um, yeah. I mean, Liverpool, um, I wish they'd have gone for somebody like Adam Traore, uh, but they've kept Nat Phillips. Now, if it was up to me, um, he's pretty good with his head. I'd put him under severe uh, training to see if he could be a late add-on, throw him on for the last 10 minutes, get him up for some big headers and uh, try and give us plan B because if the goalkeeper can score with his head then the centre half should be able to or one of the back four central midfield players, central defenders should be able to do it um, what do you think of that idea? Well it's, it's a good idea Vince, I mean uh, not, not not just in this case but um, for any team really, if they've got a centre half a big tall, big fella um, playing centre half he should be able to come up at the right opportunity if it's a corner, for example, um, and try and get one in with his head. All right, um, Rob. Look, Rob, I can't believe how quickly this hour has gone. 
Um, we've really it's gone very quickly, hasn't it? We've really excelled. I mean, we've got things we still could have talked about, but I thought it was uh, lots of very interesting things during our discussion. We've got 30 seconds in which you can say your ending bit. Right, well, we've got uh, the World Cup qualifiers coming up uh, over the next few days. England have got three matches. Hungary away tonight. They play in Andorra at home on Sunday. And Poland um, away next Wednesday. The Spanish national team have got Sweden away tonight. They play in Georgia at home on Sunday. And then they play in Kosovo away next Wednesday. So okay. by the time we speak next week... We should know more about the group stage in the World Cup qualifiers. That's the hour, Rob. Thank you very much indeed as ever. My pleasure, Vince.